Hello everyone, and welcome to the first audio installment of the Left World blog. My name is Mark Rico. I will be covering geopolitics and foreign policy developments from a left-wing perspective, and give my opinion on their implications. Here I will be covering the same content as in the blog post at leftworld.substack.com, but in audio format. New episodes and blog posts will be released every Thursday. So without further ado, let's begin. Starting with North America and the United States, soon-to-be president-elect Joe Biden has announced some members of his cabinet. The one most relevant to foreign policies is the appointment of former four-star General Lloyd Austin to Secretary of Defense. Lloyd Austin most recently served in the military as the commander of the United States Central Command from 2013 to 2016, and before that was commanding general of the U.S. forces in Iraq from 2010 to 2011. Since his retirement from the military, Austin has served on the board of Raytheon since 2016 and is also on the board of a steel production company called Nudor and a director on the board of Tenet Healthcare. Additionally, he's been a partner of the Washington Foreign Policy Establishment, such as the Secretary of State nominee Tony Blinken and Michelle Flournoy, the latter of which was reportedly a finalist for consideration of the Secretary of Defense job that Austin will be nominated for. According to the United States law, a Secretary of Defense should be out of the military for seven years before they can serve. However, waivers are possible, as was done for former Secretary Jim Mattis. A second Defense Secretary in a row to start an administration receiving this waiver is worrying, precedent-wise, however. The United States military was designed to be run by civilians for a multitude of reasons. Least not is that it would be hard to deny people that you've previously served with for many years, the money that they request for their various projects. Additionally, recent military service is possible to create a more jingoistic mindset than somebody with diplomatic experience. Finally, it can politicize the military, which is something that the United States has put great effort into not having happen. However, in this case, it does appear Lloyd Austin is a better pick than some of the alternatives, at least from my perspective. While his top competitor, Michelle Flournoy, is a civilian, on many foreign policy issues, she is much more interventionist, especially given her history of being a proponent of the Iraq War. According to foreign policy, he had doubts about the Obama administration's 2008 Afghanistan surge, disagreed with the appointment of a general rather than a diplomat to the anti-ISIL coalition in 2014, and opposed supporting the Saudi intervention in Yemen. Furthermore, Austin was against further intervention in Syria. Here, in this audio clip, he can be heard sparring with Senator John McCain over increasing United States involvement in Syria. For example, do you think we should have a no-fly zone in Syria? That's, uh, that's a, a policy uh, uh, decision. And would it comes you recommend a no-fly zone in Syria? I, I would not recommend that at this point, sir. Would you, not, not at this point, four years later, uh, would you recommend... Uh, Telling, uh, uh, setting up a buffer zone in Syria where these refugees might be able to come and be protected from the attacks and slaughter of Bashar Assad. It, it will take a ground force to be able to protect the refugees uh, if uh, we do would that. Would you sir. support a buffer zone which would then protect some of these refugees who are being barrel bombed and slaughtered by Bashar Assad? I don't see the force available to be able to protect them currently, sir, so I would not recommend it at this point in time. So we, we would. Overall, in my opinion, Lloyd Austin is not the best choice, but he is far from the worst that Joe Biden could have picked. 
Next, we'll move on to South America. In Venezuela, on December 6, elections were held for Venezuela's legislature. They were deemed by many international democracy non-governmental organizations to be illegitimate, and the opposition in Venezuela largely boycotted the election. Therefore, the results were a resounding victory for President Maduro's Great Patriotic Poll Coalition, gaining 198 seats for a total of 253, while the other 24 seats went to various opposition parties. Previously, Maduro's coalition did not hold the majority in the legislature, so he had created a second body that was effectively a second legislature filled with his allies. Certainly, the failed American attempts at infiltrating the country and undermining Maduro have backfired in terms of anti-Maduro forces gaining power in the country. Moving to Europe, in Albania, the media there recently published an alleged draft of an amendment to the Albanian Criminal Code, which could see punishment of up to one year in prison for those who post offensive memes. However, Prime Minister and former basketball player Eddie Rama has denied his government is planning to pass these amendments. In a tweet and later interview, he stated, I have never liked politicians who do not like satire. Me too, Eddie. Me too. Moving on to Turkey. Two pieces of news here. Turkey has officially purchased the Russian-made S-400 air defense missile system, a move that the United States has denounced. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has announced sanctions will be taken against Turkey, as the United States believes that incorporating a Russian air defense system with American-purchased parts of Turkey's military, such as, say, the F-35, is a security threat. Last year, for expressing interest in purchasing the S-400 air defense missile system, Turkey was ejected from the F-35 program. Second piece of news from Turkey. There have been border clashes in the region near the tri-border of Turkey, Syria, and Iraq between the various Kurdish factions. The main players are the Kurdish Workers' Party, a communist insurgent group based in Turkey, and the Kurdistan Democratic Party of Iraq, a big tent electoral party that takes part in the Iraqi parliament, as well as the Kurdistan Regional Government, or KRG, where they are the largest party. The prime minister of the KRG, Masrur Barzani, stated that the People's Protection Units, also known as the YPG, who are insurgent Kurds aligned with the principles of libertarian socialism and who are best known for their role in the Syrian civil war, had attacked the Iraqi Kurdistan forces, known as the Peshmerga. The YPG is claimed to have worked with the PKK, despite a variety of tactical and ideological differences by both the KRG and Turkey. Moving to the United Kingdom, on December 7th, the UK was the first country to use the Pfizer vaccine given to 90-year-old Margaret Keenan. It will be interesting to see how the different European countries roll out their vaccines and how it compares to other regions of the world. Also, there's some Brexit stuff that, frankly, I don't have the desire or expertise to understand. Just know the UK probably won't get as good of a deal as they had while they were in it in terms of free trade. And by it, of course, I mean the European Union. Moving on to Africa, Prime Minister Ambrose Lamini, sorry for butchering his name, of the small country of Eswatini died of COVID-19 on December 13th. He becomes the first head of government to die of COVID-19 in the world. Eswatini, formerly known as Swaziland before their name was changed in 2018, is a small country completely enclosed by South Africa and Mozambique. It is one of the few remaining absolute monarchies in the world. Currently, their king is King Mswati III. Moving to Ethiopia, 
Since early November, there has been an ongoing conflict between the federal government of Ethiopia and insurgents in the northern region of Tigray. Prime Minister Abiy Ahmed, who received the Nobel Peace Prize this year, has made reforms in the country, the most prominent of which is merging the various ethnic political parties, who were in coalition together, into the single party known as the Prosperity Party. This coalition was previously led by the Tigray's People's Liberation Front. However, they decided to not join the Prosperity Party in opposition to Prime Minister Ahmed. The Tigray People's Liberation Front was the head of this coalition for the last 30 years, and now, being out of power, they decided to go into an insurgency against the Prime Minister. This week, the European Union announced that the 90 million euros of aid that they provide to Ethiopia would be suspended over mishandling of the crisis. They have stated that if Ethiopia complies with five demands, that the aid can be resumed. These five demands are 1. Granting full humanitarian access to the region of Tigray. 2. Allowing civilians in Tigray to seek refuge in neighboring regions. 3. Stopping of ethnically targeted hate speech. 4. Introducing of mechanisms to track and investigate human rights violations. And 5. Reopening of communication lines and media access to Tigray. Going to Ghana now. On December 7th, elections were held for the president of Ghana. The two candidates were the incumbent Nana Akufo-Addo of the center-right New Patriotic Party and former president John Dramani Mahama of the center-left National Democratic Congress. Akufo-Addo won with 51.30% of the vote to Mahama's 47.36%. This election appears to be a positive referendum largely on Akufo-Addo's vision of development without foreign aid. Ghana has been a democracy largely since 1993 when the armed forces revolutionary council which took over in a coup d'etat in late 1981 was overthrown in morocco morocco and the united states jointly announced that morocco would recognize israel in exchange for the united states recognizing morocco's claim over the contested western sahara region this brings the total of arab countries who recognize israel to four also including bahrain the united arab emirates and sudan Western Sahara is a region southwest of the core Moroccan territory. They were both a single Spanish colony, and after decolonization, there are disputes between Algeria, Mali, and Morocco over the region. Currently, Morocco controls a large portion of the region, but the self-proclaimed Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic controls roughly one-fifth of the territory, mostly in the uninhabited eastern desert. It is the largest disputed territory in the world by area and is among the largest in terms of population. Finally, in Asia, China's Chang'e 5 mission returned to Earth on December 16th, landing in the northern province of Inner Mongolia. Chang'e 5 brings lunar rock samples back to Earth, the first in 44 years. In India, here's one for the socialists out there. According to Justin Harper at the BBC, India's government is looking to sell its stake in the national airline Air India. One of the top groups looking to buy is Interrupts, a United States investment firm. Their application states that Interrupts will hold 49% of Air India, while Air India employees will own 51%. The chairman of Interrupts, Lakshmi Prasad, has said that the employees are the, quote, backbone to run the airline, and that, quote, no one knows Air India better than its employees and management, end quote. Syndicalism from the top down? 
In Iran, President Hassan Rouhani announced on Monday, December 14th, that Iran would return to the Iran deal, also known as the JCPOA, quote, within an hour of the United States doing so, end quote, according to Patrick Wintour at The Guardian. President Rouhani has stated that Iran is not prepared to change the deal in any way, including on the Iranian ballistic missile program that some in America wish to constrain. Honestly, this is quite surprising, as one might think that a country, going back on its word, like the United States, would face a problem with their reputation in terms of re-entering the deal. But the sanctions must be bad enough to get Iran to come back. That's it for this week at the Left World blog. Sources for the variety of information will be provided in the show notes as well as on the blog post. Again, that will be at leftworld.substack.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week.